broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 854 of I Doubted Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and indeed the scholarly, Brittany Page. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have been having a, a fun time reading some of the comments since we're posting videos of the podcast episodes to your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. And it, you made a short of a clip from one of the previous episodes where I was wearing an Earth, Wind, and Fire shirt. And yeah. for the uninitiated, Earth, Wind, and Fire is my favorite band. And uh, I got accused of, like, virtue signaling my love of Earth, very, Wind, and Fire. Very fucking weird. It was, it was the first time this has ever happened. Very interesting. Do you have the comment? What did they say exactly? I do, yeah. Um, so... In the clip, I was talking about Scott Adams and Andrew Tate. And this person says, I don't agree with Adam one bit. Scott Adams. But I accidentally saw this. Nobody with an Earth, Wind, and Fire shirt, who she probably had to Google to shine some serious ass to be acceptable by all races. We get it. You don't want to get canceled. But you wearing that shows your phoniness. My girlfriend is of African persuasion, gorgeous and educated gal. And wow, he he may as well call his this totally real black girlfriend of his articulate. And God was damn. actually offended when these posers all of a sudden started wearing BLM or Malcolm X gear. My African American girlfriend said, <laughs> "My African American girlfriend for the second time who t- doesn't go to this school. She lives in Canada, guys. If she is so BLM, <laughs> then write it on your test anyway. We get it. So, <laughs> just anything can be virtue signaling. Anything." The guy knows nothing about you at yeah. all, yeah. but is making wild proclamations based on his totally real, not fake at all, you guys, Yeah, African-American persuasion girlfriend. Right. I thought it was funny, and I love it because it's <laughs> me loving Earth, Wind, and Fire has gained me absolutely zero popularity. No one gives a shit about right. it. I try to talk to people about Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm like, but have you heard Devotion Live? It's like transformative. Well, you really th- need to listen to it. There is that TikTok account that like walks up to younger people with like ACDC shirts on and shit like that. Yeah. Or or um, whatever, Black Sabbath t-shirts, whatever are the cool, ironic t-shirts that like, kids wear. Yeah. And the guy's like, what's your favorite uh, Black Sabbath song? Yeah. And then they don't have any fucking idea because they're not wearing it because they're a fan. Yeah. Which, who cares? Yeah. For one thing. Absolutely. But that guy tried to do that via YouTube comment to you. Yeah. If they walked up to you, Uh I mean, you just mentioned your favorite song, (laughs) which is a deep cut. It's not like September because you have a specific version of devotion 
that song that you you love. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't call it a deep cut, but I would say it would depend on the day. If you're going to ask me my favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire song, it certainly depends on the day. I was just listening to On Your Face and Saturday Night, I, I and those are both great songs. Saturday Night, I think I know. I wouldn't know On Your Face. Yeah, I mean. Listen, again, it has gained me zero bonus points with anyone. I I try to force it upon people. I'm in my 30s, and my favorite band is Earth, Wind & Fire. I've seen them in concert uh, four or five times at this point. So and the, the, the first time that we saw them at the Hollywood Bowl and you cried, were those virtue signaling tears too? Probably, yeah. <laughs> According to this guy. Yeah. But I mean, he would have he would have thought I was virtue signaling in the shower this morning when I was like singing so very hard to go by Tower of Power. <laughs> it, it is um a bizarre well, it must be exhausting to be a woman on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's not really tiresome <laughs> for me because I don't fucking care what people say at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And you're you're more that way than others, other people. But it's still got to be reading, sifting through. Like, what was the comment the other day on your video about Ben Shapiro saying that if you feed hungry kids, that's not going to solve hunger? Uh, something like, this female has so much confidence. <laughs> like, spell meant confidence, but spelled it confidant. I think it was the confidence of an unintelligent female is wild or something. <laughs> I... Uh, it, it seriously, it is like nourishment to me. These morons who come out and are so confidant in the, what their opinion is and how smart they are, but they're just abject, just dumb shits. It's crazy. Well, it's fun, and it's it's, fun. it's always a good time, especially when, for the first time in my life, I've been accused of virtue signaling my love of Earth, Wind, and Fire to try to gain points with that, whom? that no one cares because I try to talk about it with everyone and no one wants to talk about it. Trust me. Trust me, I know. Okay? All right. Well, before we move on, we want to virtue signal our love for our Patreon supporters. <laughs> if you would like to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and uh, choose your tier, see what's involved. You, our Patreon supporters are the main method by which we fund this show, that we keep the lights on, that we're able to do the things that we do, and that we're able to do what we're looking forward to do in the future relative to all of the interviews that we're going to do, the man on the street stuff, all the all the, the growth initiatives that we have uh, moving forward. They're, they really are because of Patreon. Even $2 a month can help support the show in a huge, huge way. So please consider it. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Talene B. Talene B. Mark H. Mark H. Matthew D. Matthew D. Donna R. Donna R. Juan L. Juan L. Janaeus. Janaeus. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Names are hard. Listen, we always say, if we fuck up your name, and by we I mean Brittany, and then I follow because I just repeat what she says, I'm just a parrot. I'm like Ron Burgundy. San Diego? Um, just correct us. Yes. Leave us a voicemail or email and give us the phonetic pronunciation. And we're not done, so we're getting back to it. Yes. Brenda BGR. BGR. Brenda BGR. Uh, BJJJ. BJJJ. JC and Adrian. 
JC and Adrian. Randy and Sharon G. Randy and Sharon G. Doug S. Doug S. And then we want to give a special shout out to that other guy. That other guy. For increasing the pledge. Fantastic. Thank you so much, all of you. Uh, it, it is important, and we appreciate you very much. So we're gonna we're gonna go on a little wild ride here on the show today. We are gonna get to the Trump stuff. That's that's huge news, but we're gonna go we're gonna go in a funny direction here at first, and then we're gonna take a step back and go in like a, a kind of kind of a sad direction, and then we're gonna need to pull ourselves out of that and go back to a, a little light topic. You're- you're really painting a picture here. Well, I'm letting everyone know how things are going to go, okay? Because this this first voicemail is going to be strange, and it's going to take us on a journey. But Wait, it, we have some fucking weirdos who listen to the show and call in. We do indeed. This and, being one of them. And this voicemail cuts out in the beginning where you miss a, an important context for what this is about. So I'm going to set it up a little bit. This is friend of the show, former uh, previous guest on the show, and uh, the context here is Jordan B. Peterson, the clinical psychologist that is uh, famous for being atta- an anti-trans bigot, attacking trans people, yeah. and uh, he he gives a lot of interviews about climate change, even though he's a clinical psychologist. So he multidiscipline expert. Yeah, he tweeted something, and that is what this call is about. Hey, Chad, Brittany, this is your. Uh... Your friend of me, Ian. Friend of uh, I gotta say, I'm really disappointed by how much our shuttle has been affected by the world coronavirus. Because, you know, he just, he had this whole thing about. Can I say up front, I'll continue the call here, but I'm, I'm disappointed, Ian, in the quality of the call. So far, not a 10 out of 10. Um, like, I don't know, the Darren Williamson and scammers and all these things, and you just ignored the most important piece of news out there. I'm very upset by it, and I'm, of course, talking about uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson alerting all of us to uh, the Chinese dick-sucking factory that is uh, just a... a It's a Marxist plot, and I... If we're not careful... That dick sucking factory is going to be uh, it's going to be coming to every house and street in America. And look, I need a job. I'm I'm a well known libertarian, and I am for work <laughs> and putting in an honest day. And if that's the only job in my town, I will clock in and clock out of the dick sucking factory uh, every day to make sure that I am not taking government handouts um, <laughs> and participating in, in some sort of plot. Uh, anyway, uh, I hope for your sake and your audience's sake that, and look, obviously everyone has seen this video. I didn't need uh, Dr. Peterson, my personal guru, to link it out. It's and All of my searches always bring back that video. It's because I search for a normal thing because I'm a normal guy, just like Dr. Peterson. So uh, do better. I hope the woke mind virus breaks soon and you uh, come to your senses. Goodbye. We, we are indeed in the middle of a pandemic. This time it is the woke mind virus that is uh, impacting 
all of our lives. Yeah, so I guess I was wrong about which part cut out, and he was able to talk about Jordan Peterson, but this tweet has now been deleted. I want to talk a little bit about what it was. He tweeted What a, a gullible freak, right? It was a pornographic image from an account that is called at song ping a n q. And they regularly tweet content that is critical of the Chinese Communist Party. And in the tweet, they were alleging that China is running a sperm collection bank where basically men are laying next to each other and they have, they're connected to some sort of masturbatory apparatus. I mean, it really looks like a, uh, like a cow milking apparatus, but instead of going up and under, mm-hmm. it's a man laying on a gurney. We'll just paint a picture with words here since most of the time this is an audio format. And, uh, um, they appear to have an erect penis, and the the milking device is connected onto their erect penis, and it looks dystopian. There's like a weird bluish filter over it, like they're in some kind of a matrix-like warehouse just extracting sperm on an industrial level. <laughs> and Jordan Peterson got duped. This is like a porn thing. Yeah, it's a, a, a fetish content, and... I mean, I don't know why we're going to such great lengths to explain what it is because Dick Sucking Factory really paints the picture and that's right. what it it looked like. So. Well, he tweeted something. He has a suit that is really just a banana suit that's like light tan and there's like, or, or, or it's light blue and there's like tan lapels. It's very weird. But on it or on his tie or something, there's little Elon Musk heads everywhere. Of course. And Cody Johnston from Some More News... Great YouTube channel. You should check it out if you're not already watching. He asked if that was the uniform at the dick-sucking factory. Yeah. And I didn't get it because I'm I'm not perpetually online like Team Ian is. And like me, apparently. I didn't get it, yeah. And now it really has put everything into focus that these conservatives just, they... I mean, sometimes I think that they want to... They lean into being duped, quote-unquote, because it just keeps them in the conversation. Well, Dick Sucking Factory started trending on Twitter after this happened, so you may be onto something there. But there were several funny tweets that came out of this. The account Eve6, you know, the band, they are very funny on Twitter, and they tweeted, We fell in love in a hopeless place, parenthetically, the Chinese Dick Sucking Factory. (laughs) Listen, I don't... Great, it's fucking it's fucking weird but it is why why put yourself in a position to have to delete the tweet about something that is so far fetched that it's it, all it takes is like a little suspicion and a cursory youtube or google search to to realize oh yeah that's not a real thing yeah yeah Good jordan times. b peterson doctor as ian was was pointedly uh, wants to let the audience know, Doctor Jordan Peterson. Of course, Ian was uh, misrepresenting himself and his his values. In that no, call. no, 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 is- no. He was not. He is absolutely virulently libertarian, and will he will punch the clock at the dick sucking factory in support of propping up this economy because things are bad, Brittany Page. Yeah. Things are- 
They're really bad. So, like I said, we're going to go on a journey here, and we are going to depart the dick-sucking factory, and we are going to play <laughs> play a call from a listener who is not not very happy with our language that we used on a previous episode where we talked about our dog Popeye mm. that, that we had to put down. And when we talk about that, we use the word murder, and... This this caller, this longtime listener, longtime yeah. supporter of the show that we love, is not happy with that. We're word. really getting ourselves in trouble with longtime early adopters of the show lately. We are. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Laura from Buffalo. Um, I am a little behind on episodes, uh, but I wanted to call and well, there's two things I wanted to talk about. Um, I know you guys remember. Um, I'm a LVT and have been for 10 years. Um, and I take my veterinary career very seriously. Um, and I just wanted to ask a favor. Um, I, I know you guys use humor to, um, deal with, uh, you know, things that are difficult and I do too. So I totally understand. That's one of the things I love most about you guys actually. Um, but I was wondering if maybe you could change your language uh, when you're talking about uh, when the doctor came to your house to uh, humanely euthanize Popeye. Um, it just, it really hurts my heart every time I hear you guys say when that woman came to murder Popeye. Um, sorry, I'm going to get emotional. Uh, you know, euthanasia is one of the hardest parts of our job. Um, but it's also one of the most precious, uh, because it's a gift that, um, we are able to give to these animals that have dedicated their lives to us and been our companions and our partners. And I, I, I know that it's not coming from a place of malice. I know it's coming from a place where, you know, you guys are making yourself laugh and, and dealing with something that was very, very difficult. But I just uh, thought I would, would mention that it, it, it hurts my feelings a little bit. Um, because, uh, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's also because, uh, there's, people that I have heard many times use that in a derogatory manner, uh, towards veterinary workers. Um, you know, they just want me to murder my dog. They just want me to kill my dog, you know, and, uh, you know, when we're trying to advocate for our patients. Um, so it's, uh, it's just not a, a nice way to say things. Um, you know, the other thing, um, and I'm going to switch gears, switch gears here for a second. I'm in the middle of listening to trans, trans, trans extravaganza, if that's what, what, if I'm saying it correctly. Um, and I just wanted to share a story, uh, about when I was, um, a kid, I was 13 and I was in a public bathroom, um, with my mother showering after we were at the beach and, uh, we were staying with our grandparents on my grandparents on their boat on like a, an Island. I live in the great lakes region. So there's lots of that happening around here. And, um, I had, there was a man who my mother had went back to the boat to get something for me that I forgot. And a man came into the bathroom and tried to kidnap me out of the shower. Um, 
I was able to stay away from his grasp and he didn't come any further. Um, but he reached inside with his hands and tried to grab me. Um, my mother was able to identify him and he was caught. Uh, he came out of the bathroom with his pants down and she saw him running. She thought that he had raped me in the bathroom. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was a cis white man, um, that tried to kidnap me in the bathroom. It was not a trans person. So I had to cut that off because it was longer, but Laura reinforced that or reiterated that she hopes that we take this message in the way that she's intending to to give it to us, which is in kindness and uh, appreciating what we do. I first thank you for sharing the story about that terrifying encounter that you had as a kid. Yeah, that yeah. certainly backs up previous points that we have been talking about in the course of the previous episodes. In response to us using the the term murder, I certainly I certainly hear Laura on this. And a few months ago, I actually read an article in uh, that was published in Slate by a veterinarian who was writing about the high suicide rates among veterinarians. And part of that is like low pay. Um, the way that people react to you giving them bad news and the stressful, sure. you know, situations that they encounter in their day-to-day work. And part of it was also putting animals down. And they they reflected on being in school and they attended a lecture about euthanasia. And one of the professors told them that, that they need to learn how to do this well and really reinforced that it was a gift that you give to animals that are suffering to be able to put them put them down and i hear laura that murder makes it sound terrible and part of it is like like she was saying it's it's what we use to cope so it makes us laugh we find it funny when we're talking about a very very sad event one that we for months write about and at times will still cry about still do and when when the veterinarian came to put Popeye down I did not like her <laughs> and I had a very uh, negative perception of her and you had to talk me out of that by saying like that's what she came to do like she has to kind of approach this in a cold way because clinical way in a, in a yeah I, I perceived it as cold and yeah. it, it was it was a clinical way and I am trying not to get emotional as I talk about it now um but it it is something that was a gift for Popeye because he he was suffering and he had reached the end and so you know I hear Laura that it's something that offends her because of the work that she does and she does very important work with animals and we we would never want to have Laura listen to the show and feel like we're attacking her or the people who do this very important work it is an important point that she yeah. brought up and I, I I think that's why we wanted to play it so that people can hear her perspective um if anybody walked away from us talking about having to put our beloved dog down and if they took away that when we make jokes about the person coming to murder Popeye, if they think that we really were having Popeye murdered, then you're not listening. Um, 
and that's all I'm going to say because um, I feel like I'm being told to not don't cope with things in the way that's easiest for you you to cope with them when your dog that you loved and still you cry over thinking about that you miss him so much I I get it Laura it's your this is your job but I can't imagine a scenario where someone actually thinks that we're talking about the the veterinarian and the professionals in this field that we don't have we have anything but admiration for them we're telling a joke as a way for us to cope and I'm gonna do it in the way that is best for me emotionally because if every time I talk about Popeye being put down I talk about it in a serious it's gonna be fucking miserable for me and I'm not gonna stop talking about or thinking about our dog who died I'm not gonna do that so I don't know uh I I hear I hear her 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 complaint I don't want to use that word her her issue but I don't know I don't, I don't think we're harming anyone I don't think we're harming the field by talking about it in the way we that we do that is clearly gallows humor because we love and respect every single healthcare practitioner that had had anything to do with Popeye in his final days there was nothing but beauty and love and kindness compassion empathy that was displayed for him and for us and if we make an an off-color joke as a way to navigate those heartbreaking waters it is not an attack on veterinary professionals at all it's a way to 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 apply a salve or a balm on a very delicate painful wound that still exists yeah there's a picture of popeye actually i think Oh, yeah. I think it's visible when you have your shot on. Yeah, so yeah. That is Popeye in the background. If anyone former cares mascot to see him. of the show, beloved goddamn dog. Yes, amazing rescued English bulldog, who we still cherish. There's yeah. a shrine upstairs to the dog in the house. So listen, Laura, we love you. We appreciate you. We don't want you to think. Well, I'll just speak for myself. I don't want you to think that we take light what you do. But, again, it's kind of tone police week on the show and, you know. Tone police. Sorry, not sorry. I don't <laughs> tone, know. Tone you know? police week. All right. Well, thank you, Laura. We are going to, again, we're going up. We're going back up the emotional hill now. <laughs> well, it, let's. if you'd like to, to call the show, get your opinion on the record about this or any other thing, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo as I bite my tongue. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Literally bit my tongue. If your business earns millions or tens of millions in revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen. Because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer we've ever seen. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place. To reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, 
build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com strategy. netsuite.com strategy to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. netsuite.com strategy. Welcome to BreezeLine, where you'll say ta-ta T-Mobile because we've got more reliable home internet that's a whole lot faster. In fact, 10 times faster. No, seriously, because we have real internet backed by our fiber-powered network. And T-Mobile, well, they just have a 5G cellular network. So act now to get superior home internet. Find your perfect speed with prices starting at just $19.99 a month for 24 months. Terms and conditions apply. Go to breezeline.com to learn more. Dilemocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I know this is going to be surprising, but Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, sorry, their faces are so forgettable. I'm having to... They are like thumb, they're like thumbs wearing clothes. It's like I temporarily have prosopagnosia right now. I can't, <laughs> like, I can't recognize... You bring it to the smart lady um, level. That's the, great. Uh, facial blindness is what prosopagnosia yeah, is. I, so I only know that because of you. I don't know the other guy's name, but here, the point Cla- is... Clavin, I think his last name is. Okay, I've never seen him before in my life. Yeah. He appeared on my feed and was bragging about how he doesn't know how to do laundry, though. And that is the point of this clip, is that, I guess, are these all Daily Wire folks yep. then? Okay, yep. so Daily Wire hosts were basically competing against one another uh, to determine who knows the least about household chores. All right, Matt. Uh, it's kind of a trick question because I, I hate them both equally. So, I, But I guess I would say I would rather do the dishes. But I'd prefer if she just did both of the things. Michael, to you. Dishes, it's no question. I'm not sure in our entire marriage if I've ever done a full load of laundry. So I, I think I have that one. I like it. All right, Drew. Well, this is a trick question because I have not done anything around the house for, for, for 40 years. I've been a completely useless. But it's it's clear that if I had to choose, it would be, it would have to be dishes because she was just out of town for a month. And I actually called her up and said, how do you do laundry? So, so I think dishes is the only thing I know how to do. All right. To the answers, Ben, you answered dishes. Mrs. Shapiro said, I'm not sure Ben knows how to do laundry, so I'll go with the dishes. Which she does quite often, and she threw in a little thanks, hun. Matt, you answered, I hate them both, but dishes. Your wife said dishes, and she also threw in, he doesn't know how to do the laundry. Again, being thrown under the bus. True. Michael, you answered dishes. Your wife said neither, but if there was a gun to his head, he would choose dishes. And Drew, finally, you answered, I don't do anything but the dishes, if I had to. And your wife put, again, in all caps here, very forceful answer, since he doesn't know how to do laundry, as we learned when I was out of town for several weeks, I'm guessing it's the dishes. I mean, how old are these people? I, I, I don't understand how you don't know how to do laundry. I have been doing laundry since I was... Uh, for sure in elementary school is it's when like, I started doing laundry. It's like a misogyny dick-off. Like, who can be the most... It's 1950s in my house. My wife has a martini ready for me when I get home from work. Yeah. 
it's a competition to see what who's the most feckless asshole. Yeah, and I mean, this is directly connected to all of their political views. I yeah, mean, yeah, when yeah. they talk about how like women should not have the right to an abortion, they want to revoke abortion rights. This is directly related to why yeah. they want that because they need someone at home doing their laundry because they don't know how to push start on a washer. Where's the Where's the Tide Pod go? <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, it is. Again, this is kind of a the thing that they do where they do something they know is going to be dickish and misogynistic in order that people know that they're virtue signaling just how misogynistic they are. Yeah. This could have been asshole of today. Well, don't worry. We're Are we getting there? You know, it's you know it's bad. <laughs> you know it's bad when that was not bad enough to make it into today's asshole uh, today. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> so I tried to warn everyone about the raccoons and I've I've been on a mission for years to warn people about the <laughs> yeah. raccoons. And no one will listen to me. Every time I try to warn people, I say, listen, they're out for blood. They're after us. Listen. They are dangerous. You're- people will say, no, Brittany, they're cute. They're adorable. This you is- can have them as a pet. This story is two of the things that you've been warning the world about for years coming together. It's a convergence of what was formerly understood as Brittany's paranoia. One is about germs. When we've had people write reviews, she thinks she's going to get sick just standing in line at Starbucks, and then there's a global pandemic where people literally get sick standing in line next to one another in Starbucks. And now, these two things are converging because it's pandemic-related, it's germ-related, and raccoon-adjacent. Well, raccoon dogs, yeah. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Yeah, there's some new research that has come out that is linking the the pandemic's origins to raccoon dogs at the Wuhan market. Scientists say the natural transmission theory has been strengthened by new genetic evidence from the market in Wuhan, China, where there was a big COVID outbreak in December 2019. Samples known to have the virus have also been found to have genetic material from animals, much of it from the common raccoon dog, a small animal related to foxes. Catherine Wu first reported this in The Atlantic, where she's a staff writer. She also has a Ph.D. in microbiology. Catherine, what is it that these scientists found that points them in the direction uh, of a wild animal being the source? Right. So this is another clue really strengthening the case for a natural origin for this virus, which is the case for so many other viruses. Being able to take a swab at that market and extracting genetic material from both the virus and an animal known to be susceptible to the virus, as is the case for the raccoon dog, is a pretty good indication that an infection of that animal, potentially of these raccoon dogs, may have happened at the market at the time the pandemic began. That's not exactly 
a smoking gun, you know, the strongest evidence for a true natural origin would really be being able to find uh, evidence of a live infected animal. So for instance, having a swab that has virus in it that was taken from an animal's mouth or nose, for instance, or maybe being able to find, for instance, an infected raccoon dog in the wild now. That's not quite the case here, but it's pretty darn close. Knowing that there were already viral samples at the market and knowing that raccoon dogs can catch and pass on this virus, this sort of helps bring that story together. Now we know the virus and the raccoon dog were in so close proximity that we could get these swabs with genetic material from both. That's pretty much like finding uh, the fingerprints of a crime suspect at the scene of the crime. Why is this coming out now? The vi this is three years after the, the uh, pandemic started. It's an incredibly important question, and I do not have a perfect answer for you. The reason that we are getting this analysis now is that the researchers who did the new analysis were sort of piggybacking off of samples that were collected by Chinese researchers very early on in the pandemic in January and maybe a little bit later of 2020. Those researchers did originally analyze those samples, and they posted a preprint, you know, a version of a study that hadn't yet been published with peer review in a scientific journal in February of last year. But that analysis didn't actually point to wild animals as a possible host for the virus. And the raw data for that analysis wasn't made available at the time. Now, more than a year later, researchers have been able to get their hands on that raw data, which seems to have been uploaded to a server quite recently, and reanalyzed it and been able to take animal, uh, been able to extract genetic sequences that point to the presence of a wild animal in those same samples. So this is old sampling, but a new interpretation, a new analysis that is providing us with brand new clues. So that is Catherine Wu from The Atlantic, who's a fantastic reporter, and she wrote a fantastic article this week about this, and I'm sure it was controversial because there has been this debate. Did COVID originate in a lab? Was it a lab leak? Or did it uh, you know, spill into the population through a wild animal source? And anyone who speaks about this in terms of being certain about that answer is someone that you should just not listen to. They yeah, are not yeah. a serious person. Uh, of course, we encourage uncertainty on this show and following the evidence where it leads. And, you know, the energy department came out and they said that it was a lab leak, but they said that they had low confidence in that position. So all of the conservatives ran with that and were super excited well, about they, it. Well, they forgot about the, they, they conveniently left out the low likely, their low certainty of it. Yeah, and even this is, you know, Catherine Wu, Wu would say that it is not slam dunk evidence, Yeah, but it it's another tick in the box on the side of this was not a lab leak. That it came from the wet market in Wuhan, where they're selling exotic animals to eat, and they're, they're stacked one on top of another, and then there's blood that gets... It, it's just an intermingling of, of, of biological material. Yeah, and I mean, the reality is a lot of this is certainly above my pay grade. So yeah, I yeah. have to go to people who are experts in this area and listen to them. And Catherine Wu is someone that I trust to give this information. So uh, why is it important that we know where the virus came from so that we can prevent this from happening again? Absolutely. And that's that's why we continue to talk about it. That's why they continue to investigate it, continue to research it. But back on to the, the funny side of it is the the convergence of 
your mild germophobia, mm-hmm. your your functional able to live while still being worried about germs and all that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also raccoons. And if you don't know, because you just started listening to the show, Brittany really does not like raccoons. No. She was, she would say, almost attacked by one. Yeah, I was attacked. And uh, I would say one was in her general vicinity and was fucking scared and tried to get away and ran past her no, crazily. by charging me. Yeah, I was so scared that it charged at me. <laughs> yeah. It was terrified. You're... you're- Brittany, not a fan of the raccoons. Well, I'm just not a fan of gaslighting is, is really where I come down on this. And uh, having having my experience explained to me wow. is not something I appreciate. Yeah. What 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 the raccoon look like? Can you give me a... A nightmare. It looked like a nightmare. Yeah. Fantastic. A demon. Well, the other fantastic news that we're going to be covering today, uh, as promised, is the impending indictment... And I'm going to say arrest, because when you get booked, that's an arrest. The The impending indictment and booking of Donald J. Trump, likely on Tuesday. Ooh, let me guess which let me guess which investigation it's from. Okay. Is it from the Georgia election interference? No. Oh, okay. Is it from the DOJ investigation into January 6th? Of course it's not that that quickly. Okay, wait. Is it the classified documents? Mishandling the classified documents? Obstruction of justice? No. Okay, well then it must be (laughs) the hush money payment investigation in New York. The raw dogging of the porn star by Donald Trump and then paying her to remain silent about it just prior to the election... Yes. So this is an interesting place to be in this country where we have the still the leader of the Republican Party, the yeah. the presidential candidate who is leading the polls. Especially uh, if you listen to him about it. Yeah. And he he, so, he called himself today on, on Truth Social the far and away leader of the Republican Party nomination to get to be the the candidate. And we have to wade through like which investigation? I know. Which investigation is this? There's so many. Yeah. So, uh Fox News came out last night and they the John Roberts was reporting about it the 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 the, the likely indictment. We we talked about this last week. Uh, it's likely because in new under New York state law if you're the subject of an investigation, you have to be invited to at least testify. You have to, an invite has to be offered. Come and testify before the grand jury that's been investigating you. And they offered that invite, which means it's likely wrapped up and they're likely going to indict. Now we're learning through Donald Trump's insane all caps posting on True Social that that is the case, that he does look like he's going to get indicted. And the Secret Service is actually in talks with local law enforcement of how they're going to accomplish getting Donald Trump to the court to surrender for his booking. Well, we are learning that the Manhattan DA's office has asked for a meeting with law enforcement ahead of a potential Trump indictment. This is coming to Fox News from a source in the courts. The meeting, which was requested yesterday and has not been set yet, is to discuss logistics for some time next week, which would mean that they are anticipating an indictment next week. 
The same source who's familiar with the planning said they will go over security preparations in and around the courthouse in lower Manhattan. Secret Service will take the lead in what they will allow or will not allow. The source cautioned, mentioning, for instance, that the decision to handcuff the president, a former president, or not. They will set the tone and will escort him into the courtroom. There will be coordination between all of us, the source said, but we will defer to the Secret Service. The battle will be between Secret Service and DA Alvin Bragg. They will decide how and when he'll get into the building and they are not going to leave him. The source believes that the former president will still have to be fingerprinted and processed like every other Defendant. So um, this is a huge development if Alvin Bragg has decided to go ahead with a felony indictment of the former president. This was a, a charge that the federal officials refused to prosecute on or even really pursue. Uh, this was a misdemeanor in New York that Alvin Bragg has decided to elevate to a felony while at the same time downgrading other felonies to misdemeanors. So we'll be watching this to see how it all unfolds and get more information as it comes in. I think someone should check on John Roberts. He, he didn't seem real happy to he be the messenger, upset. right? He seems upset. <laughs> he seems pretty unhappy. He's like, oh, come on, can't we get somebody from the B team in here to do this? <laughs> I don't want to be the one to break the bad news to the audience. Yeah, well, you noted that Trump on Truth Social is posting about this. He wrote saying about himself that the leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Yeah. Protest. Take our nation back. Yeah, he's 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 really inciting more outrage. And at this point, he's just using the word protest. I think he's being this would be my opinion here. I think he's being counseled by people you gotta tone it you gotta reel it in here guy you can't be it will be wild and doing all the things that incited the insurrection against the country in january of 2021 they know what's on the what's at stake here and they know who will be blamed without question when there's violence even from uh that particular post those two posts on true social well, Maggie Haberman has some thoughts on an insider knowledge about how the Trump team is preparing to respond to the indictments. So it's interesting, Wolf, what Michael Cohen was saying actually speaks to the heart of what I think you're going to hear Trump and his allies, uh, or at least maybe not Trump specifically, but his allies uh, and some of his closest uh, folks say, which is that this is a, they've been saying it's a quote unquote weak case. They don't actually know what the evidence is. What it is, is, is a smaller ball case compared to the other investigations that Trump is facing. Michael Cohen's point is equal justice under the law, and I think you're going to hear that as pushback. What the Trump folks are preparing to do, it's not really clear how prepared they are legally for this case, and we don't yet know what the charges uh, will be if they come. But what they are preparing for politically it is an all-out war against the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. They're going to try to make it uh, as if he is part of a broader you know, political conspiracy within the Democratic Party aligned with Joe Biden, and that this is all about the 2024 election. Now, it's not clear what, if any, data points they will they will look to or point to to try to prove this conspiracy. But I think that saying this over and over again to his supporters may have an effect. And I think that they are planning on getting very aggressive, which Wolf, as you know, is the speed Donald Trump has in almost any situation. So she's saying there that him saying it over and over is going to have an impact. Uh, that's only with the base. Clear-minded 
real reality existing individuals aren't going to be thinking that this is a witch hunt. This is one case of many investigations that are coming to fruition just now after all of this time. They're going to claim it's a weak case. They're going to try to butt up against the Clinton era where the American people didn't really care about what took place with Clinton. I believe wrongly they didn't care. That, oh, it's just about sex. It's just about a blowjob. It's not about anything more than that. That's not what that was about, and that's not what this is about. This is important. This isn't just someone's sex life. This is campaign finance violations, paying someone to keep their mouth shut to protect your campaign. And then lying about it time after time after time after time after having made the payment. This also, what she's saying, kind of goes back to what John Roberts was talking about, where he said something like, they even the, the federal authorities decided they weren't going to prosecute this. Even the federal authorities, they decided they weren't even going to pursue it. He leaves out a massive important aspect of that, and that is because of a memo written during the, the, the Nixon administration, there's a division, a department within the Department of Justice called the Office of Legal Counsel, and they wrote a memo saying you can't indict a sitting president. It's not law. It's not statutory. It's just a legal opinion by the Office of Legal Counsel. That's why they decided. That's why Donald Trump's Justice Department, his Republican Justice Department, led by Jeff Sessions and led by uh, a poor man's, um, um, what's his name, Goodman. I don't know. You know, the, the guy on Roseanne. John Goodman? John Goodman, a poor man's John Goodman, Bill Barr. Oh. They di- they decided not to. They used that. You think they were going to prosecute Donald Trump or investigate this? No. So um, that's the reason that the feds decided not to do anything. One is because it was Donald Trump's own Justice Department, and two, because of that Office of Legal Counsel memo. Well, you can tell Donald Trump is not worried because he's posting in all caps on Truth Social endlessly. Bananas, that post. And you can also tell he's not worried because Trump's attorney is responding to this by saying that it's only going to make Trump stronger. I think it will will ultimately embolden him, embolden his supporters and and, and give him more strength because it will be proven to be wrongly accused. So, (laughs) I... Come on. That Joe Tacopino, he's a a gift. Thank you. Well, and we keep we keep hearing this point of how is Trump going to respond? How is the base going to respond? There's going to be backlash. There's going to be riots. There's going to be protests. Okay. And so what are we supposed to do? I mean, right. they're basically making the argument that you can get you can reach a position in society where you become too powerful to arrest. Yeah. Where you can do whatever you want. You have free reign to commit as many crimes as you want. You are too powerful to bring under control. And I mean, is that what they're saying about Donald Trump? That you just you get to be a fascist demagogue and once you once you reach that point, yeah. you are free from any possible consequences. I mean the Trump team and Republicans want to put the country in a hostage situation where we have to negotiate, uh, we can't prosecute his clear crimes because his supporters are going to freak out and there's going to be violence, possibly another attempt to overthrow the United States government. That's not how it fucking works. Mm -hmm. You committed the crimes. You're the law and order guy. Only you can fix it. Do your, take your lumps, motherfucker. Do the time for your crimes. 
So we went through all those different investigations that are happening right now, and we we didn't even. It's not even a fulsome list. There's there's other there's other investigations within those particular investigations. It's a it's a panoply of wrongdoing on the part of Donald Trump. Yeah, and that is continuing in Georgia because they actually are now the grand jury is probing a second call that Donald Trump made in Georgia. Well, good morning. First, there was the phone call between former President Donald Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. In that recorded phone call, Trump, in essence, asked Georgia's Secretary of State to overturn Georgia's 2020 vote. I just want to find 11,780 votes. Members of Fulton County Special Grand Jury heard that phone call, and now NBC News has confirmed that the grand jury listened to another call, this one, between Donald Trump and former Georgia House Speaker David Ralston. The foreperson of the grand jury tells NBC that in that call, Trump pressured the speaker to call a special session of the Georgia legislature where lawmakers would consider overturning President Joe Biden's victory in Georgia. The phone call, according to what the jury foreperson tells NBC, lasted about 10 minutes that included Trump asking Ralston who would stop a special session of the legislature. According to the four-person, Ralston responded, quote, a federal judge. That's who. Ralston passed away last year after an extended illness. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham testified before the special grand jury about a phone call he had uh, with Brad Raffensperger where he asked about the possibility of uh, disqualifying certain absentee ballots during the 2020 vote. The grand jury wrapped up its work earlier this year. Now we're waiting on word about any indictments. Back to you. All right, we'll see what happens next, Jerry. Thank you. I wish that that jury foreperson would just go the fuck away. Mm -hmm. She is causing more problems, I believe, than that she has any idea of. The allure of 15 minutes of fame is a hell of a drug because she's now giving details of secret grand jury proceedings which just wait we're gonna find out through the course of the investigation i mean we know now according to her that donald trump tried to in another way not just through a fake slate of electors not just through uh trying to get those eleven thousand seven hundred eighty votes from brad raffensperger but now he's trying to get a special session to slow the pace of the certification and maybe reverse it all together in Georgia. We don't need to know that. Listen, when I served on that, that federal grand jury, one of the many cases that we, that we um, ruled on was indicting Michael Avenatti. I know all kinds of stuff, testimony, witnesses that in, in, in details, I've seen bank records, all of the things, but I'm not going to talk in detail about it because it would one compromise the integrity of the investigation and also possibly, I mean, I don't know, I'm no lawyer, but it seems like it might give the Trump legal team a little wiggle room to act like, oh, see, they're, they're spilling all the beans and all the leaks. You just shut the fuck up and let the process work. So a brief reminder, we are going to be having our bonus episode uh, for Patreons only where we go through the grand jury testimony about the Michael Avenatti case. <laughs> So make sure that you sign up. Patreon.com slash podcast. Is it not? We're not. It's not. We are not doing that. <laughs> okay. But. Um, I tried. It is, again, one more aspect of Donald Trump illegally pressuring individuals 
to to commit election fraud, to try to overturn the free and fair election results in 2020 because he wanted to stay in power. And one of the elements, by the way, the one of the elements that he did want to stay in power for was because he's not going to get indicted while he's president. Mm -hmm. He still thinks that running for president is going to extricate him from that difficulty. And that is just not the case. That's why this Alvin Bragg case is so important. That is why this Fonnie Willis case is so important. And that is why slowly we're getting to some Justice Department action relative to the federal case against Donald Trump. Excuse me. The federal cases against donald trump yeah god damn let's can we move on (laughs) uh sure i would love to move on we can talk about minnesota and free school lunch because this has also been upsetting ben ben shapiro ben upsetting it has yes ben shapiro that's a hilarious joke everyone little jeb bush moment please clap please clap (laughs) oh boy so uh this past week on friday governor tim waltz in minnesota Mm -hmm. signed into law a a bill that is going to provide free lunch and breakfast for all minnesota students and it is fantastic we absolutely support this endeavor it is going to be so beneficial in so many ways i know you're probably asking yourself like who would be who would be against this why would anyone right. why would anyone really be against this well let's introduce you to the minnesota republican state senator steve drazkowski is that right yeah and I mean, I guess. I'm looking at the name. I don't know who this guy is, but... His reasoning here is very much based on his personal experience. Mr. President, I have yet to meet a person in Minnesota that is hungry. Yet today. I have yet to meet a person in Minnesota that says they don't have access to enough food to eat. Now, I should say that hunger is a relative term, Mr. President. Uh. You know? I had a cereal bar for breakfast. I guess I'm hungry now. Uh, that, to some, might be the, maybe that's the definition of the bill. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see a definition of hunger in the bill, Mr. President. Um, but I think most reasonable people suggest hunger means you don't have enough to eat in order to, to uh, provide for metabolism and growth. So I, I can't imagine standing up and opposing a bill that would provide free breakfast and lunch for students and talking about how you've never met someone who is hungry and that's why you're not going to support the bill and then doing what ben shapiro did actually when he was arguing this week against providing free school lunch to students taking it to an extreme of how do we define hunger? This is what Ben Shapiro did. He started talking about starvation. Starvation. That no yeah. one is actually really starving in America, which, okay, have you, you, you haven't worked with a low-income population, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming. And this guy is like, oh, I've never met anyone who's hungry, so we don't need this. <laughs> I know like 12 people and none of them are hungry. <laughs> For Republicans, cruelty is the point, first of all. But it always seems like uh, a race to to the to be king of Dick Hole Mountain, 
Like, I'm going to be at the top. I'm going to be the biggest asshole, and I challenge anyone to be a bigger asshole than me. And this this uh, Steve uh, Dreskowski, is, he's a contender for King of Dickhole Mountain because why would you try to get in the way of feeding kids who very well could be, and many, many are, not a could be, but are food insecure in their lives? So good for the governor for signing this. Yeah. And the fact that they were uh, able to get it through with little opposition from the kings or the potential kings of Dickhole Mountain. And that's the good news here. And we want to we want to present that good news because, like you said, the governor did sign it. And it was a sweet moment where if you're watching this on video, you'll be able to see it where all the kids are around him as he's signing it. And they all come in for a hug and just celebrate the fact that he signed it. You know, it was a combination of the Democratic trifecta here at the Capitol and that $17 billion surplus that took this idea from dream to reality. And for Governor Walls, it was a joyful day of high fives and hugs. Webster Elementary, a northeast Minneapolis school where two-thirds of the children currently qualify for free and reduced lunches. No more lunch tickets. But all of the children will be on an equal playing field in every public school cafeteria starting next year when breakfast and lunch become free for everyone. The legislature agreed to send $200 million a year to school districts to cover the tab. We will feed our children. We will feed everyone. Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan is often told of relying on free and reduced meals as a child. Today, as her daughter Shabon watched, she paid tribute to her late mother, Patricia. And my mom said she simply wasn't hungry. It wasn't until I was an adult and I was a parent that I realized that she was lying. This moment was years in the making with groundwork by a coalition that included legal aid and hunger relief groups that worked to end lunch shaming. And everybody who was cheerleading for us because this is for you guys and it's worked and I'm so happy. This is a bill for everyone in Minnesota, whether or not you eat lunch in school. This is a bill that's going to make Minnesota a better place for all families. For the governor, a joyful moment with the children who will soon be seeing big changes in this lunchroom. And the governor was truly tickled when those kids decided to hug him after he signed the bill. That was one of those things I don't think he was expecting. Um, Some of the districts have expressed some concern that, you know, having people sign up for free and reduced meals is one way they can track their low-income students, which helps them qualify for other grants. But the legislature is also taking care of that. They're sending more money to districts to cover any gaps that might happen because they're no longer taking these forms. This is only beneficial. This is only positive for everyone because when you research shows that when you give kids access to meals at school, yeah. numerous things improve. Better nutrition. There are better learning outcomes. I did a video on this in response to Ben Shapiro because he was arguing against offering free school lunch. Yeah. And I talked about what the research shows. There's better academic outcomes. There's better disciplinary outcomes. Right. Behavioral there's there's improvements there too yeah. yeah they have found reduction in school suspensions they have found better math performance it is it leads to better nutrition it reduces obesity rates it reduces poor health it reduces of course food insecurity so this is 
important to offer kids meals at school, and it's going to do away with things like student lunch debt uh, shaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kids having to feel afraid of other kids noticing that they aren't eating lunch or that they have school lunch debt. So it's only beneficial, and it's very disturbing that there are grown adults that are against it. It's one thing that the Republican Party constantly does to try to paint poor people as freeloaders but it's it's a it's another layer of just cruelty when a child who doesn't they're not a free i mean they're a freeloader just based on the fact that they need to be taken care of (laughs) but you're gonna paint them no fuck them those freeloading kids we're not gonna pay for their meals it's just cruelty is the point it's God damn, get over yourself. If you can't, you want to force women to 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 be vessels of childbirth, and then they can't afford it, they're not able to get an abortion because you don't want to allow it, and then the children that they that they they have, that they're forced to have, you also don't want to take care of. It's just dystopia all over the place, the Republican Party. Gross. Yeah. So that is a good story that we're ending on. Yeah. It, could, it could have been taking care of biz, but we missed that opportunity. Well, you know, next time. <laughs> next time. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Dennis Prager. Again. <laughs> at, at least the second time, because he was recently in, in the asshole of today segment. I don't know how many times in total, but at least two. This is at least his second appearance. And boy, is this a doozy. We were listening to this. Yeah. And the the tweet that it was in talked about sexual harassment, that, that Dennis Prager is talking about sexual harassment in this clip. And, I mean... Uh, he's a contender to be king of Dickhole Mountain, for ju- sure. Just wait for it, because your jaw is going to drop. So this is a subject of massive interest, how women react to sexual harassment. Harassment. I mean, it's a very complex subject, and I, again, just to make it clear, I zero tolerate the idea of men doing it because it's it's wrong and it's stupid. You will, you you won't get anywhere in most cases. In fact, you'll probably turn the woman off. But at the same time, women, until the recent past, did not regard it as trauma. My wife was not traumatized by the manager at her restaurant where she was a waitress who groped her breasts. She pushed them away and then took the next order for a hamburger, which was a great act on her part because she's a vegetarian. <laughs> you didn't expect that. thought it was a great act on her part because she wasn't traumatized. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is this subject is on the male-female hour, but it could truly be as well, and I might do it on the happiness hour, because you decide how to react to offensive things that happen to you. It is completely in your control. It's the 
the most ridiculous, toxic one minute and 11 seconds, however long that clip was, that I've ever heard. Wow. And... That's exactly what my response was when I was listening to this because I'm I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be Dennis Prager talking about sexual harassment, and then he talks about sexual assault. That's assault, brother. He's not understanding the difference between the two terms, apparently. If, if a man, without consent, touched your wife's breast, even through clothing, that is not harassment. That is assault. That is a crime. It also seems weird to dedicate a segment of your show to talking about sexual assault and to start it by saying, I'm against sexual harassment, but at the same time. Right, right, right. <laughs> also, but at there, the same time. There was a whole bunch wrong there. It's, I'm against sexual assault, or excuse me, harassment. He's talking about assault. Uh, I'm against sexual harassment because most times they're not going to be turned on by it or they're going to be reject you or something like what the in what 1920s silent fucking movie is this guy pulled from well i'm glad he's dedicating time to talking about how uh, sexual harassment shouldn't be a thing that leads to trauma right instead of talking about how men shouldn't be engaging in sexual harassment and sexual assault he's like talking about how women need to take responsibility and respond to it in a different way and not call it trauma. Well, also, this is the law and order party. Remember, tough on crime, unless you're a guy who's just out there groping the tits, assaulting women willy-nilly, then ah, that's fine. That's just the the, the normal course of order of uh, relations between men and women, men who are bosses and women who are subordinate and employees. It's just fucking gross. And just imagine all of the people who listen to Dennis Prager when he takes 10 minutes to pause between his words. Oh, and... yeah. <laughs> I mean, how much airtime does this guy have to fill? Uh, I think quite a bit, quite a bit. Dennis Prager, king of dickhole mountain and asshole of today on I Doubt It podcast. <laughs> We'd love to know what you think. As always, 657-464-7609. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. The other thing we would ask is that you consider if you are in a position to financially support us, that would be great. If you have to budget it in, do not do it. If you are on a fixed income, do not do it. We, 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 we do not want your support in that way. There are other ways you can support the show. You can tell a friend. You can listen. You can watch our YouTube videos. All of that also goes a long way. But if you are in a financial position to help us out, to give us $2 a month or so, go to patreon.com slash Podcast, and you can um, help support the show monetarily. That would be fantastic. Anyway, we love you guys. We will see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been... I doubt it.